0: You're listening to Dodge Movie Podcast. Your hosts are Christy and Mike Dodge, the founders of Dodge Media Productions. We produce films and podcasts. So this is a podcast about films. Join them as they share their passion for filmmaking.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Dodge Movie Podcast. This is episode 99, uh, the second film of our films for January. So it's your second clue as to what the theme for January is, and we're talking about Peanut Butter Falcon. It came out in 2019, and we saw it in the theaters and loved this movie,
0: even though I don't like peanut butter anymore. <laughs>
1: That's correct. Let's see. The director is a team and director writer Tyler Nilsson and Michael Schwartz. And I looked this up because I had always heard that you couldn't have uh, two directors listed. The like, Cone brothers. Right. One, but I, I had heard, and so they said there are exceptions. So I looked this up and let me scroll down to my notes. Basically what it is, is the Writers Guild and the Directors Guild back, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago with the Jazz Singer, there was a director for like part of the film, and then the director would get fired, and they would hire another. And so to avoid a situation where director A gets fired and director B does slipshot work, director A gets blamed for the result. And the example of this is Caligula, apparently, in Mm -hmm.
0: 1979.
1: Guccione's film. Yeah, Bob Guccione fired Tinto Brass and directed the remainder of the film himself and left Brass's name on the horrible mess of a film. So director A gets fired, director B gets to take over and gets credit. So ultimately one person gets the credit or the blame for the movie and the director's guild would prefer that it only is one person. And it's also to maintain a sense of the integrity of the director's work. And so they say they make exceptions. And writing teams are treated as one person. So maybe that's kind of how they get around it with this one, Mm, is the team is the writer and the team is also the director, I guess. Right. I do know that this is a very, very indie film. And so I think that is also, they kind of got around it. I don't think either of these two, they were not filmmakers previous to this. And they haven't done a ton of stuff. And what they have done are like shorts. So I think when you're kind of in that indie world, you kind of, you're not in the guild. So you kind of get away with a little bit
0: more. Yeah, a little guerrilla directing.
1: Yes. The DP is Nigel Bluck. He did Deadpool in 2016 and he did Lord of the Rings in Two thousand one. Whoa! I know they got a good DP.
0: Yeah.
1: It stars Zach Gottsagan as and he plays Zach. Dakota Johnson plays Eleanor. Shia LaBeouf plays Tyler. Bruce Dern, great actor, plays Carl. And Thomas Hayden Church plays Saltwater Redneck. They filmed this mostly in Savannah, Georgia. The studio's Armory Films. The synopsis for the film is Zach runs away from his care home to make his dream of becoming a wrestler come true. That's a pretty good one. And the tagline isn't really... I guess in a way it's about the movie. It says, From the producers of Little Miss Sunshine comes a modern Mark Twain adventure story.
0: Wow, that sounds like the producers wanted to toot their own horn.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, I think that because this was so indie, because these were brand new filmmakers that what they did to get this made i love this idea they made a proof of concept with one of the directors i believe it was tyler was walking with zach so these two filmmakers were at a camp with kids down syndrome
0: and it's important to mention that the actor zach who plays a kid with down syndrome does have down syndrome
1: yes And so they met Zach and they said, what is your dream? And he says, I want to be in a movie. And they were like, well, then let's let's write you. And these guys aren't filming. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe they were in film school, but they hadn't made anything yet. So because they were like, we didn't know what we were doing. So they wrote a script with Zach in mind and put a lot of what he liked in the movie. And they wrote this and they were going to make it if they made it. If they found a studio and made it, or if they just pooled together the money in their wallets like 200 bucks and made it. So, some of the investors that they went to did not want Zach to be in it, they were like, Let's hire another actor. And they were like, Nope, it's a Zach or no movie.
0: Can't help but think of Robert Downey Jr. and Tropic Thunder,
1: right? Exactly, they were just like, No. This is Zach's dream. This is why we're all here. And so that was it. And they, they, so they made this proof of concept and they would send it to different, they sent it first to, is it Ben Foster, I think. And he turned it down because of a conflict. And so, but he said, send it to Shia. And they also did the same thing with Dakota. They sent it to her and they both, Shia and Dakota, fell in love with not only the story, but then with Zach. And so they were in. And then once they had those names, then yeah, they then could go can to get, investors yeah. and get the funding for this movie. So that was a long winded way of kind of setting huh. us up for what we were in for. Why don't you tell us what the pickup line is? Hi. I was waiting for more.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's it. Hi.
1: (laughs) And does Zach say hi? Uh, Or is it it Eleanor? I think it's Zach.
0: I think it is Zach, but I'm not sure. I think it is Zach when he's getting his pudding.
1: Yes. Yes. He's in the line. Cause I was going to say, is he saying it to the older woman, but I think you're right. It's when he's in
0: line getting it his food. Kind of torpedoes my theory, but there you have it.
1: <laughs> well, they didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> Although as I was watching this, knowing some of that, I, I'm really impressed. Like, you know, yeah. in the, in the Sonat or in the tagline, where they talk about it being kind of a Mark Twain, and maybe they were influenced just by watching a film like that or reading stories like that, they did a good job
0: of setting up this 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 travel movie, really. Right. And I hate to talk. I uh, uh, I just don't want to necessarily <laughs> get involved in some of the the drama around Shia, but I thought his acting in this was really good. In that, I felt like he disappeared into that character. In particular, his his dialogue it it just felt so different than normal, but realistic, like of a piece. And I, you know, I, uh, he has his own obvious problems in his personal life. He makes the news sometimes for the wrong reasons. But I really was impressed with his, his performance in this film. And as I mentioned before, when we were talking off air, because, you know, that's always the greatest thing to talk about in your podcast is things you haven't said to the in the podcast. But nonetheless, I felt like Dakota Johnson really, uh, to me, came across, at least in the back half of the film, as like a, a big Hollywood star. So that helps when you have some pretty not just, you know, popular people to put butts in seats, but to give these performances that really are pillars to hold up this film. But in a sense, I think Zach is still the star, right? And maybe he's acting a little close to home, And but I really think that this film, yeah, it found – it has heart. I mean, that maybe sounds a little, uh, you know, dismissive, but I really do think this film is kind of heartwarming and funny, and it's got – you know, these two characters with the, they're, they've got a challenge and they don't really belong together, but then they get thrown together in what I find is a believable kind of way. But so I don't know that part of the South well enough to know if that's an accurate depiction of that area, but it, it felt like it was this uh, a whole different world. It was, I thought it was just really, really well done.
1: Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that you are picking up on is in one of the interviews, Shia said that he's part Cajun and part Jew. Um, <laughs> and I believe it's his father's side that comes from there. So there could have been just even some genetic But also living with someone who is from that region, he probably picked up subtly on different mannerisms or dialect, you know, kind of. So I think there is a trueness that kind of is in him. And then in a in a different interview, he talked about how Zach softened him. He talked about how I think the compassion that he got after or, or increased, I guess. After spending time with Zach, he I feel like he mentioned this, but maybe it's because I've watched other interviews with him. I think he was always trying to kind of shirk that Nickelodeon, like young kids status. And so I think he maybe put on maybe like either some bravado or, you know, like he definitely put on some muscles and he was always trying to get rid of was it even Stevens or what? I don't yeah, know, I remember what show
0: he was on, but... Holes was the first like feature film I remember him from, but it was still that era. And if you look at his, his performance in the Transformers films, I think, yeah, you can see there's a, a certain freneticness yeah. to him. Is that it? Freneticity or something? Anyway, he's got a frenetic quality there uh-huh. where maybe it was trying to prove, trying to push out. But in this role... Uh, yeah, he just feels comfortable in it. And it's a weird way. And that's where I, I, I hate to kind of wax poetic because sometimes people, I think, sound kind of ridiculous when they talk about actors. But I felt like in this case, I knew it was Shia LaBeouf if you'd asked me, mm-hmm. but I wasn't watching Shia LaBeouf Mm-mm. act. I was watching Tyler. And that is, I think, probably, you know, a really great compliment to mm-hmm. the performance.
1: Yeah, I think I totally agree with you. We were blown away when we first saw this. I feel like my memory is that you were like, okay, I'll go see this, but I don't know if you were super excited to see it. I was not, no. And then when you came out, you were way surprised and really happy.
0: Yeah, this is just what a great accomplishment for all the people involved in this film.
1: I wonder if part of what we were picking up on, too, they said that when it happened pretty quickly when... It was almost like in the span of a week, Dakota saw the EPK, which is the electronic press kit that they put together, and Shia did, and they both agreed. And, like, within the week, I feel like they were all down in the South, kind of starting to learn about one another, spending time together, eating together, all these different things. And they were really starting to become, like, this sweet little family. And they said their favorite moments in filming were like on the raft or on the oil derrick when it was just the three of them. Like there's not all this extended crew around and they could just really focus in and concentrate on the three of them. So I think that's kind of maybe what we were picking up on too. One little thing I want to say about casting is this is kind of fun. Bruce Stern's earliest roles was in Marnie opposite Dakota Johnson's grandmother, Tippi Hedren. He also appeared in Smile and Mulholland Falls with her mother, Melanie Griffith. And he appeared in Django Unchained with her father, Don Johnson, and now her. So he has been acting. I mean, I think that just speaks to his uh, career.
0: Well, that's also a pretty big get, I think, for the filmmakers. And he does a good job in his role. He doesn't have a lot of screen time, but... I, I thought the film really just, you know, it, it hit a note. And I, I, it seems like LaBeouf and Johnson also responded to that in the same way that the rest of us kind of did.
1: I think you almost could you say that the bayou, that area, the swamp is a character or at least informs your experience in the film?
0: Yeah, that's what I mentioned before. I, I don't have a lot of experience with it, so I, I can't argue how accurate it is, but I, I agree. I think the South is a, a part of of the movie in, in a fairly substantial way that I don't know that that story would work anywhere else. And there's some things that I, I think kind of tip you off. One is to me, I think it's amazing that someone stops... To pick up a hitchhiker who is wielding a shotgun, right? <laughs> and at one point, a guy says, uh, "I'm not used to negotiating with a feller with a shotgun on his back." But also, yeah, the the just kind of the weather, and you know, there was the corn and this idea of walking places, right? Is is kind of it's all part of of that. I assume they didn't have to use the infamous sweat gloss on them, but they looked just hot and sweaty, sweaty, which I think is summer in Georgia. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would say, yeah, that the environment was certainly part of the film.
1: And then as far as the writing, somebody mentioned this in one of the interviews, and, and I really enjoyed this line where Bruce Dern talks about friends are the family you choose. And I think these three throughout their travels, and mostly Tyler and Zach, very much exemplify that. And to a certain extent, Bruce Dern's character as Zach's roommate in the, in the senior living that he was in, kind of because... Bruce Stern's character is annoyed that he has to watch all these wrestling movies, but it's almost like he does kind of feel bad that there's this young person with Down syndrome who is forced to live in a senior living because that's the only facility that he could be in. And so he actually kind of helps him escape. And, but maybe that's just because he didn't want to watch any more wrestling videos, but, <laughs> but he seemed, I don't know. I don't feel like paternal is the word, but maybe like grandparent-like
0: almost. Right. Maybe avuncular, like an uncle that, yeah. that's helping you get into trouble. Yeah, definitely.
1: There was a reference made to Mark Twain, and and this film, like we mentioned before, very much feels like a Huck Finn type.
0: Right. So much so that I actually thought going into it, the second viewing, I, I thought that it was a retelling of Huckleberry Finn. And there were points where I was a little confused, like, I don't, maybe I don't remember Huck Finn quite well enough, but this doesn't seem to be tracking. But that's why it was kind of more inspired by than just a remake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they even have dialogue where uh, Tyler says something like a Mark Twain story. So I'm definitely calling out to it. But it's interesting, the question came up, whether Mark Twain was like really good or just well known and i do think he is the first great american storyteller i think his storytelling style is resonates with the modern era so i think this felt you know feels like it could be a twain story so Mm -hmm. they did it and maybe that's why they just happened to hit that note and it resonated with the american viewer
1: Right, hitting the note, and then also I think the setting and and just everything kind of worked together. So we talked about also offline um, the scene where Tyler and Eleanor need to have a conversation, but they don't want to. They oh, don't yeah. want to upset Zach, and so Tyler has been teaching Zach to swim, and part of that is holding his breath. <laughs> so he suggests that Zach lean over the raft and stick his head in the water and she's just appalled by this idea and so zach willingly does it and (laughs) so tyler's telling her why you're treating him like he's less than and that's wrong you're making him you know just treat him like a person and he'll come up to that
0: ability well and i thought it was um good Dialogue where he says, you're calling him the R-word, which he uses. Uh-huh. And she says, well, I know I would, you know, like a, a modern. He established she went to GW, which I think is George Washington yes. University. And she said, oh, I would never say that. And he says, yeah, but maybe not with that word, but you are treating him like that. And we see that throughout the the film, that when she first interacts with, with Zach, it's very much that almost maybe you think – is it partly because she treats him like the seniors that she deals with, but also partly this thought that because he has Down syndrome, he can't do almost like anything, right? So she, Tyler doesn't know any better, so he just takes him as he is, whereas she brings preconceived notions of who Zach is to Zach. And that's kind of what Tyler is saying is, let him be who he is. He can do a lot of things.
1: Right. I, I bet she wasn't trained. Because she's working with seniors, so she probably has no training. So she's going, she's simply going off what common knowledge of people with Down syndrome is, or, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. not even common knowledge, but suspicions kind of. And I think when we, when Tyler first meets Zach, as an audience member, I'll just speak from my experience, it seemed like he was hard on him. He wasn't compassionate enough. He wasn't nice enough because, I mean, when we meet, when Tyler meets Zach, he's in his underwear. <laughs> and you know, and it's it's a very tense situation. And he, Ty, uh, Zach almost kind of blows Tyler's cover. He's trying to hide. So he's obviously a little unnerved, and he doesn't want any part of being responsible for this other person. And so he kind of does come off a little rude. and But then he almost, like, kind of likes having him around or I don't know. It just seems like quickly he takes on a big brother kind of role, teaching him how to shoot, teaching him how to swim, teaching him, getting him clothes, getting him
0: food. You know, he really starts to take care of him. The second watching, I found a clue as to why I think that happens. So in the first viewing, I noticed there were some flashbacks with John Bernthal as Uh, Tyler's older brother, Mark. And there is a line of dialogue that said something like, you're a crook like him or something, where we we get the feeling that Mark is, even if he's still alive, is like in prison because he's gotten into trouble. But there is one quick insert where they show the stock of the shotgun and somebody has carved into it family first so i believe that mark taught tyler to shoot with that shotgun and that's like why he's carrying it on but definitely a big brother energy
1: yes yeah so so then it's kind of a funny scene because at first she's appalled that he's using this tactic to get him out of earshot basically and and so Zach comes up and then she goes, go back down. <laughs> so then it's just kind of this kind of humorous scene where right. she's now, she needs to say her piece and explain right. herself. And so she's going to do the thing that she just got frustrated
0: with. Him. I, so, I, I think that's really good storytelling because it brings a little bit of levity to what would be a very tense scene. So it keeps it from getting too far off the kind of the tone of the film. Mm
1: hmm yeah it's really well written for people two people who didn't know what uh what they were doing uh there's a couple a few montages oh, that yeah. i noted a training Quite a few.
0: montage gotta have a training montage
1: right and then i i kind of enjoyed the fire dancing naming his wrestling character montage
0: Yes, there is also an Eleanor searching for Zach montage, mm-hmm. which shows her kind of going on a journey to find him. And I also noticed there is a baptizing and building a raft montage, a strange combo, both baptism and raft building. But there you have it.
1: Right, right. There's a, quite a few characters that they meet along their journey. And when I see characters, I mean, some. I felt like tyler's boss at the very top of the film felt very authentic like that guy they used a i don't do you call it a cannery or a fishery where they would bring in the crabs and that guy probably worked there yeah and they just said hey you
0: want to be in the movie (laughs) he's like i always wanted to be in the movie because he was just so authentic you know actually now that you mentioned that the kind of kooky characters they run into that reminds me a little bit of the odyssey and oh brother where art thou right where you encounter these these cast of strange characters Mm -hmm. the blind
1: like preacher
0: yeah Yeah. oh brother also set in the south interesting Mm. something to think about for the viewer
1: uh one editing thing that i really enjoyed is After they've kind of bonded and Eleanor has been spending time with them and she's really, they're kind of becoming this kind of odd little family, she has to call her boss to say that she's found Zach and arranging to kind of get the both of them back because Zach uh, lost the keys of the vehicle that they had. Lost, in air quotes. (laughs) (laughs) And she's on the phone and we hear her conversation with Glenn and we hear his end saying, No, he has to come home right now, and she's like, No, tomorrow will work. And we're seeing her watch Zach and Tyler chatting. Right. And I just I I liked how the two, you know, they were diegetic, but her conversation We we weren't seeing, we were seeing what she was seeing. And I thought that was cool. Okay, so under costumes, Zach is in his underwear for like a quarter of the movie?
0: Right. (laughs) As longtime listeners recall, because I've mentioned this before, underwear are challenging. So the rule of thumb is you wear two pair because otherwise it's a little revealing. However, Zach goes in his tidy whities in the water. So they must have done something really fantastic to prevent that from being very revealing.
1: Yes, I agree. I agree. Okay, anything else that I missed from our favorite categories that you would like to talk about?
0: Well, in costuming, I thought it, it was interesting that in a flashback, Tyler was wearing a t-shirt that says on the back, come on vacation, leave on probation, <laughs> which given his his... Ways Maybe was a little foreshadowing. I made a note when we were watching, did the makeup artist do all the tattoos on Rat Boy, the guy who Mm. beats up Tyler? Mm -hmm. But I did some research and that individual is actually a rapper in that area. And no, he comes with all of those those tattoos. tattoos. Even the ones on his neck. Well, that's nice for
1: the the hair and makeup. They didn't have to do all that.
0: Yeah, that would have been quite a bit of work. Yeah. Now, what I don't know is whether Shia LaBeouf's tattoos on Tyler were his or were someone else's. I think his were all real also. I I, I thought so, too, but didn't know for sure. And given the budget and kind of the general indie feel this, probably no fake tattoos were applied.
1: Yeah. All right. Any head trauma?
0: Yes, there's quite a bit of head trauma.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Well, I guess when you have a film about wrestling.
0: Right. So... At 2 minutes 20, when Zach is making his first on-screen but second escape attempt from the the old folks' home, he gets Terry Crews' office linebacker from the right side of the frame. I'm going to call that head trauma. Tyler loses a fight with Rap Boy and Duncan, and there's some head trauma there. At twenty-four fifteen, Tyler punches the kid who pushed Zach into the water off of the tower, and then, most importantly to the plot, it... 12850 Duncan hits Tyler in the head with a tire iron and I'm going to say that in every case that would be fatal but perhaps at the last second Duncan didn't want to be homicidal and and you know twisted to the back. side pulled his blow a little bit but yeah so there's quite a bit of head trauma there
1: the producers didn't want Tyler to make it Uh, The scene after that, there's a a moment where he is revealed to be alive after the impact. And the scene before that, they're in the hospital and a doctor comes out and we don't hear what is said, but Dakota's reaction lends you to believe that he did deceive, that, that he did die. Yep, yep. And so, but the filmmakers felt like it was just too much and too sad. And so they fought for tyler to kind of rise up at one point and in the final scene so that the movie can end on a an up note and i think that was a good choice
0: this is fascinating because i'm generally the proponent of a happy ending (laughs) and (laughs) are you gonna disagree with me right now i have to say i think the film would also work if tyler didn't make it
1: wow, I just love that, like, they're going to be together. Oh, yeah, I like it. I like it better.
0: Okay. But I think from the arc of the film that I could see that that maybe it would work with, because Tyler has completed his redemption.
1: Right, but wouldn't it?
0: Yeah. Interesting.
1: He's completed his redemption, but it doesn't mean that he can't go on. And, you know, he he was stealing out of out of crab pots and so he could right. get like a real job like a legit job and they could get a little house and right maybe zach could live with them and well, they would we, have a baby
0: well dakota johnson's character and shadow bus character not zach. Yeah yeah, zach. yeah yeah that's what i meant i meant okay
1: yeah they they would take zach in and you know help him
0: Okay. I was gonna make a crack that um Of course you were. If it was the Farrelly brothers, it would be a thruple. <laughs> but to be fair, since Green Book, they've really kind of gone a slightly different direction in their films. So uh, right. not not quite as um something about Mary.
1: Right. Did we get I believe we got a smooch from um Eleanor and Tyler. Smoochy, smoochy, smoochy.
0: I didn't make note of it.
1: I thought there's one it's just they very... make
0: out in the trans am i just didn't write it down oh okay yeah All i right. don't know that's when he's trying to distract her while well, he then handcuffs her to the steering yes, wheel yes yes they make out a little bit
1: yeah okay how about a speaking of trans am how about a driving review
0: so there is nothing that says semi-professional wrestler like a 1979 Trans Am. I we know, We must right? first note that. Love that car. A little bit of a uh, question to the filmmakers if they want to call in. Why is it that the bad guys drive a Dodge truck and not a Ford? <laughs> Come on, guys. But there's a boat chase. We don't get a lot of those. I don't, again, I'm not really familiar with that kind of terrain, but I wasn't quite sure that you could just turn your engine off and hide from the bad guys. That was a little... Well, there was some tall grass. Yeah, but I was thinking the, the bad guys are on a boat and they're standing up and they could see... Anyway. By the premise, by the bit. By the premise, by the bit. Dakota Johnson, her character Eleanor puts her keys down on the sand. I mean, this is a key plot point. I didn't quite understand that, but I thought it was fascinating. Shia's character, Tyler, establishes that she comes from money and yet she takes the the old folks' van to go search for Zach. So first of all, I would think she would have her own car and wouldn't they want to keep the van so they could take the seniors to the bingo center? Like, did they not, like, Were they not upset that she absconded with the van, didn't need it? She could have saved gas? It was an emergency, and so she had to take the... Okay, but how did she get to work to be able to take the senior van? Right, but she's doing... She had her own
1: car. I know, but she's doing work stuff, so you take the work car.
0: I think her boss does not look like he would accept that, but okay. (laughs) So she does a decent job. And then later in the film, she is driving at the very end of the film, nice 10 and two on the steering wheel looking ahead. So Eleanor does a good job driving.
1: I like how you were talking about the keys, hurling them down in the sand, saying it was a key plot point. Uh, unintentional, but I'll take the credit. Okay. would you? W- shall we go to the numbers?
0: Let's go to the numbers.
1: Okay. Before we do, I want to say that it became a sleeper hit, and it was the highest grossing independent film of 2019. So, oh, well, it definitely earned that. Isn't that it. exciting? Yep. Good job, guys. So they had a budget. So this is amazing. After what we, last week, we talked about Bill and Ted and their budget was ten million. The budget for this film, like what, thirty years later? <laughs> right. Is six point two million.
0: Okay, now I'm dying to know. Did <laughs> did Shia and Dakota work for just points? They did had they go to. scale and, had and take to. back end? Yeah.
1: Because it did make almost four times or three and three quarters. It made twenty three point two million dollars. Oh. Wow. So, it did quite well. I mean, that's good, but most of that was domestically because I think because it was a indie, it didn't have and because I don't think there was a ton of marketing and
0: stuff behind well, it, so it didn't have a wide a worldwide kind of release. And maybe would people from outside the US not respond to the south quite like Americans would.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It got a 7.6 out of 10, and as we know on IMDb, that is a high score. Very high. Yes. And critics and audiences alike loved this movie. Rotten Tomatoes critics gave it a 95% and audiences gave it a 96%. See, I can support that. Yeah. People love this movie and we agree. It comes in just a little over 90 minutes. It's an hour and 37 minutes. It's rated PG-13. So I would say that this is probably good for your like 10 year old and up there. I mean, depending on your 10 year old, I guess. Clearly, I think a 12 or 13 year old and up. So this is almost a family film, depending yeah, on how yeah. no, strict I, you I, are.
0: I would think so. I really don't think there's much that would be disturbing to the younger viewer.
1: I think of the compassion and understanding for different types of people outweighs whatever language.
0: Yes. I r- wanted to make a note of that, that. We don't see people with Down syndrome often depicted in the movies. And this film, I thought, did a fantastic job of showing him as a real person Mm -hmm. and not as a prop.
1: I think that part of that maybe comes to, I don't think it was the first time that the filmmakers were at this camp. For down syndrome so they are familiar with the community and maybe that bled through their writing so that mm-hmm. they could write it in a very authentic and respectful way
0: there was a, a film a number of years ago called the ringer with johnny knoxville and the, the the gag is that he is pretending to have down syndrome to compete in athletic events and i remember when i saw the trailer i thought how could you make this film this is so offensive but then I read that the community actually embraced it because the characters were shown as real people and not as this kind of you know kind of caricature, two-dimensional th- person where only their condition is is there. And I think this film takes that and, and goes even farther, mm-hmm. right? It really shows Zach as a real person, and I was heartwarmed to see that the actor has gone on to do other acting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's great. It's listed as an adventure comedy drama. I think I maybe said that. But what I really wanted to say is this one got nominated for quite a bit. And I'm so excited. Zach actually won for the Hollywood Critics Association for Newcomer. And the film won top 10 indie film from the National Board of Review. And super exciting. It won the Audience Award at South by Southwest. So it's so good when you see like a heartwarming film like this get... Not only the attention from the awards, but then also, you know, obviously between the the scores and the being the highest grossing indie film, like all the way around, it just, it got the love. That wraps up our second film for the month of January. Keep those guesses coming in. What is our theme for January? You can either email us or call us. All that information will
0: be in the show notes and never forget. Dodges never stop and neither do the movies. Thanks for listening to Dodge Movie Podcast with Christian Mike Dodge of Dodge Media Productions. To find out more about this podcast and what we do, go to dodgemediaproductions.com. Subscribe, share, leave a comment, and tell us what we should watch next. Dodges never stop, and neither do the movies.